talking about some of Sean Payton's comments when he addressed play calling, looking at Pete Werner's not bad, very good day on Sunday. And one thing that I was wrong about, about the New Orleans Saints defensive adjustments and what it could mean for young cornerback Paulson Adebo. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen here on the show. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, free and on all platforms, including YouTube, on Locked on Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Let them know that Locked On sent you at checkout. Y'all, I want to dive right into today's episode because Sean Payton talked a bit about the play calling that was criticized by a lot of fans and a lot of media as well, and talked about why he made some of the decisions that he made. And the headline of all of this is that Sean Payton said that the play call to Taysom Hill to have him throw that deep pass that ended up being intercepted by James Bradbury, that he would absolutely call that play again. Now, we talked about this a bit in the recap on Monday that the logic and the vision of the play call are absolutely there, right? You can catch that Giants defense sleeping. You just took him deep there to Kenny Stills. It gets called back for the holding penalty on the big 40 plus yard pass. Then you, you know, you end up here on a first and 20. You swap out from Jameis Winston to Taysom Hill. There's no real expectation that you're going to take a shot deep. And you saw that reflected in the coverage, which is something that Sean Payton talked about. You get a different coverage look with Jameis Winston than you do with Taysom Hill when there is the threat of the run at quarterback. For the big shot to for Jameis Winston to Kenny Stills, you got a nice cover two look, middle of the field wide open. You had the post route from Kenny Stills, who absolutely obliterated his man on the outside. And therefore, you got the big wide open touchdown there. Unfortunately, that gets called back by the Adam Trotman holding penalty, much to the dismay of many fans. And you get Taysom Hill come in on first and 20, take a shot downfield to Deontay Harris, who ends up seeing the ball get intercepted in a jump ball situation. And Deontay Harris won that route. And the coverage reflected exactly what Sean Payton expected. This was a win in terms of the actual play call itself or the logic of the play call. I'm not a fan of putting, of asking Taysom Hill to make that throw. I'm just simply not. We haven't seen it consistently or reliably that he can make those throws. The big, we saw almost the exact same combination against the, almost the exact same coverage in the 2019 playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings, where again, the pass came up short, was still completed, but it came up short and Deontay Harris had to slow down in order to make that catch as opposed to getting hit getting that pass and, and, and Taysom Hill being able to hit him in stride, helping him get into the end zone. We saw the big kind of weird throw that went to Emmanuel Sanders during uh, Taysom Hill's four starts last year. Emmanuel Sanders kind of had to work his way back and almost field it as a punt. I believe that was against the Falcons, if I remember correctly. And then in this one, you saw Deontay Harris get, uh, you know, kind of tease a little bit outside. James Bradbury turns his head to the outside. Deontay Harris so good at this, winning the leverage on these post routes. He gets that inside leverage and then ends up breaking back inside. He gets over the top of the safety who's playing a little bit underneath in that cover one situation, even though his responsibility in coverage 
is to be the deep defender there. He's playing underneath because of the threat of the run with Taysom Hill and his other safety is all the way down in the box because you want to be ready for that QB power. So Deontay Harris wins that route. And if that pass goes more toward the end zone and toward the outside or even more toward even the middle of the field at that point, then all of a sudden you're able to hit Deontay Harris in stride and get him into the end zone. Instead, what you get is this jump ball where Deontay Harris had to come to a full stop, work his way back, and then try to win a contested ball with a defender that is just simply taller and bigger than he is. And James Bradbury comes away with that. James Bradbury was the guy that lost in coverage in the play earlier to Jameis when Jameis Winston was under center to Marquez Calloway, who got a similar look. The cover one safety was underneath, and then you ended up coming out. So anyway, we, we saw it work with Jameis Winston under center as well, but I do understand the logic behind the play call of getting Taysom Hill out there. I just don't think that asking Taysom Hill to make that throw is what was absolutely necessary in that moment. I, I think you saw what Taysom Hill excelled at. He ran over half of that Giants defense to get into the end zone in the red zone. You saw him later on bull through to get another touchdown in the red zone. Taysom Hill invaluable in that part of the game. This just not a part of his game. But Sean Payton mentioned that, look, you're going to get a different look. So I wanted to take advantage of that. Again, the play actually worked, but the execution wasn't there. Uh, according to someone in WWL radio this morning, Taysom Hill stubbed his, uh, stubbed his toe in the midst of stepping up to make that throw. Sean Payton also bringing into question Taysom's technique and footwork and footing in that throw. So uh, again, if it's technique that you're concerned about, if it's not being able to make that pass, I mean, all those things are, are there and evident. So why put Taysom Hill in that situation when you were winning all over the place when it came to the passing game in this one, and the passing game was going. And then you go, and then for the team to go from that to not throwing but one pass over the next three possessions, not fantastic. So still worth questioning the play call, still worth um, you know making sure that you look at this and say, hey, maybe that's not the situation to put Taysom Hill in. And again, I don't put that on Taysom Hill. It's just simply not his game, as we said yesterday. So to ask him to do that just didn't seem to really work out. We'll be interesting to see how that replicates or goes away at other points throughout the rest of the season. So again, it is what it is. Uh, it ended up not yielding points for the New York Giants. It ended up basically being a punt and the Saints still went up 11 points after that. So there's a whole other conversation around the defense and the inability to uh, extend drives as the offense for the rest of that game. That is probably more uh, to, to be taken to the task. There was an earlier point where the Saints passed on a field goal that got a lot of questions, especially when you attempted a 58-yard field goal later on with Aldrick Rosas, which he quickly missed. But you had a 40-plus yard field goal that you could have taken, but then they ended up going with a run play to try to pick up the fourth and two, fourth and three there. The Saints got the look that they wanted, according to Sean Payton, and it makes sense. It was a third down and short, or excuse me, a fourth down and short. You tend to get man looks there. The Saints ran a man-beating run, which is effectively a toss crack. You try to get the X receiver back inside, and then the tackle or tight end, whoever's the lead blocker, to get over to the outside, but the execution simply wasn't there for that one. So it, it was one of those things to where it, it was the right play call again in terms of what you're looking for, but this idea of going backwards in order to pick up short-yarded situations, we've seen backfire on the Saints, I think, three times already this season, including once at the goal line. So kind of just want to see them go away from that if at all possible and maybe come back to it later after some other tendencies are established that you can take advantage of. Um, EDJ Sports does some great analytics over there and they have their top five and bottom five coaching decisions that they do every week. And Sean Payton also not listed on either one of those lists. Um, 
didn't and, and usually those are game win chance adjustments in terms of the drop in percentage to win a game or win probability or the raising of your percentage in win probability. Uh, neither none of the decisions that were made in this game in terms of play calling, whether it was to kick a field goal or not kick a field goal, um, any other particular you know passing on punts or choosing to punt anything like that uh, that ended up being there. However, uh, Joe Judge on the other side of that accounted for on four different plays a total of a drop in about six point nine percent win percentage. Yet the Giants still walked away with a win in this one. So heavily criticized the decisions of Joe Judge, not so criticized the decisions of Sean Payton. But I think those are looking at game win percentage as opposed to individual context of plays. So I think the conversations are a little bit different. Sean Payton was EDJ's 15th ranked coach coming into this matchup. We'll see if he drops or raises after this matchup. All right, y'all coming up next, I want to talk a little bit about Pete Werner. He had a fantastic game against the New York Giants. Was he the best defender on the field for the Saints? And speaking of defense, we'll talk about where I was wrong with the coverage adjustments for the New Orleans Saints in the second half and what it means about the decisions to be made around rookie cornerback Paulson Adebo. Before we get to any of that, though, I want to talk to you about our friends over at betonline.ag. They've got the Saints favored in their upcoming matchup against the Washington football team, which is in Landover, Maryland. So the Saints overcoming the usual three-point deficit or the three points that are usually given to the team that are at home. So good news for the New Orleans Saints to be favored here, but y'all know how I am about road favorites. Always a little bit concerned about it, but the Saints barely road favorites in this one. So if you think the Saints can win this game or lose this game, that's basically what it comes down to. It's nearly a pick between these two teams, and you want to put some money down on it and get in on the action, make sure you go and check out our friends over at betonline.ag. They are the exclusive betting partners here of the Locked On Saints podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network as a whole. You can go and check them out for all of your NFL odds, NBA odds, MLB with the playoffs right around the way. Over in the NBA, you can already get in on some uh, end of year action as well. And they've got your favorite Vegas casino games on there that you can play as well. So if you don't want to make the trip to the local donut shop or anything like that, we used to go to Tasty Donuts and then end up going over there. Now you ain't got to worry about all that anymore. You can do it from home now and then go ahead and get in on those uh, Vegas casino games. Go and check them out, betonline.ag. Don't forget to use the promo code, though, Locked On. Get that 50% welcome bonus on top of your very first deposit as a new customer. That's a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On over at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode, and we appreciate you so much for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Saints podcast. Appreciate you very much for being here. Don't forget to go and check out Locked On Pelicans with Jake Madison as well. Summer League is underway. Pelicans, usually the greatest summer league team of all time. Go and check out and see how they're actually holding up so far with Jake Madison over at Locked On Pelicans, also up every single Monday through Friday and on YouTube as well, just like us here at Locked On Saints. And I want to talk a little bit about one of my other favorite guys, Jake Madison being one of them. But one of my other favorite guys right now is Pete Werner. He had a fantastic game against the New York Giants and was simply the best defender on the field for the New Orleans Saints. Maybe Marcus Williams has the the next argument there, but you saw him, you know, struggle a little bit and give up some deep things and whatnot. So he was out there. He had a nice game. He had his interception as well on the uh, end of the end of half interception that he had on that Hail Mary. But Pete Werner, fantastic in this game and all over the field. Pro uh, Pro Football Focus graded him as the highest Saints defender in this matchup with an 84.4. He was also the highest graded tackler and highest graded run defender as well. So we're going to talk about him from the run defense standpoint to begin. 
uh, 10 total tackles, which led the team. Pete Werner did. Usually that that goes to Demario Davis. You see that sometimes with maybe Malcolm Jenkins or CJ Garner Johnson. No, it was all Pete Werner on Sunday. And he didn't have any missed tackles in the midst of that as well. Nine of those 10 tackles were solo. So one assisted tackle, although 10 total. And then again, no missed tackles there. And six of them were credited as defensive stops, which means a negative or insufficient play by the offense. So a play on like a a run play on a first and 10, which is usually expected to get you around three or four yards. He's making stops one, two yards or a no gain. That would be an insufficient gain. And then of course, a tackle for a loss is a tackle for a loss. And I believe he had three of those outright in this matchup. He was phenomenal in the run game, able to come up and shoot gaps, able to beat running backs over to the sidelines, played a fantastic game there and played all over the field against a talented running back in Saquon Barkley, who maybe didn't have the help of the offensive line in this game at all, but certainly has the ability to create on his own. He's one of the best creators in terms of making for himself what his offensive line can't. Pete Werner, though, didn't give him a chance, didn't give him a chance. So he played an extremely good game in the run game. We also saw him, uh, you know, get into the passing game quite a bit as well. He was targeted four times in this one allowed four catches, but only for nine yards. But the the key to understanding how well he played in the passing game is not only that he only allowed nine yards on four catches, but he allowed 15 yards after catch. So what that means is that oftentimes he was making tackles on players that were catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage and therefore were in space. This goes to his tackling yet again, but also did a great job covering the flats making tackles in space and getting sideline to sideline. That's usually the play that you see from Quan Alexander. You didn't necessarily see that in Zach Bond's opening action against the Carolina Panthers, although dealing with Christian McCaffrey is never easy. And then you see Pete Werner come out here for two weeks in a row and play extremely well from sideline to sideline and getting you know in the flats, being a good run defender and doing all that he did throughout this game. So he was easily the Saints' best defender throughout this matchup. Uh, he did have, he didn't have any, or excuse me, he only had three pass rushing snaps. One of the things that I do want to see from Pete Werner, if I can, if I can nitpick and say one thing that you would like to see him do a little bit better is be used as a blitzer and then be able to win in pursuit. You saw him do that extremely well throughout college. I think his blitz percentage was somewhere around 17 or 15%, which matches up extremely well to what the Saints did last year with either Alex Anzalone or Quan Alexander. Uh, you know, you, you total them up cumulative. And then you talk about the linebacker next to Mario Davis, basically. They used him as a pass rusher around 18% of the time last year. Pete Werner in college did that right around the same rate and did it successfully. Got a lot of pressures in college, extremely good in pursuit, attacks holes very well, and closes in on quarterbacks. He's very good with his angles. You see that when he makes those tackles out in the flats as well. Some legitimately outstanding play by Pete Werner can be bolstered a little bit more if he were used as a blitzer and able to continue to succeed in pursuit the way that he does or the way that he did at Ohio State. But again, that's just me being nitpicky and saying, hey, here's a place where we could see some improvement. If he goes out there and continues to put even just this product out every single game, then I think the Saints are in a really, really good position while Quan Alexander continues to recover. Now, Quan was in the huddle before the game, along with CJ Gardner-Johnson and Demario Davis leading the pregame huddle. He had a big old cast on his arm, but he looked to be in good spirits. And he's eligible now to return to the team in terms of the logistics of the injured reserve list. He went on after week one, so therefore, or, or later than week one. So the three games that he needed to miss were two, three, and four. He is now eligible to return. We'll see if his 
uh, recovery is on the same timeline or if the Saints wait until after the bye week. After the bye week, you see a lot of these players coming back. Juan Alexander, uh, Michael Thomas is eligible to return. Uh, the game after Seattle, which will be the Halloween game, the next home game, which will be against Tampa Buccaneers. Uh, David Onyemata is eligible to return. Traquan Smith is saying, hey, I need, you know, give me two more weeks and then I'll be out there. The Saints have done a really good job here with this rookie class. Uh, Peyton Turner had to walk off the field for a little while. He only played 30 total snaps in this game. He walked off with an injury. We'll see how he pops up on the injury report. You had, you know, Tony Jones Jr. get carted off. We'll see how things are going with him. But when it comes down to, that's just an extra note because I was talking about injuries. Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. But anyway, getting back to the rookies, Peyton Turner, when he has been on the field, has performed well. Pete Werner has performed well. And Paul Sinadibo struggled this weekend, but has performed well beforehand. And part of his struggles this weekend came down to something that I was crediting to him being asked to do something that's not in his wheelhouse, when in fact, he struggled doing the very thing he's best at. We're going to talk about that and uh, give you all the information you need to know around it as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. First, though, y'all know how much I always have to work on my car. Maybe that says more about me than it says about my car. But whenever I do need to do any type of repairs or I just want new things for my vehicle, I always go and check out rockauto.com first. They've got everything that you need in terms of, you know, if you just need some brake pads, you need some, uh, you know, some, some floor mats, you need uh, new mud flaps for the back of your truck, whatever it is that you're looking for, they've got you. And for every make, model, and year that you can imagine. Their catalog super easy to browse online. So go and check them out. Let them know exactly what you need and they'll get you taken care of. want to remind you that Rock Auto is also a family business. They've been helping auto parts customers online for over two decades. So go and show some love. Go and show some support. And don't forget to show some love to Locked On as well by letting them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section at checkout. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode with a quick look at rookie cornerback Paulson Adebo, who struggled against the New York Giants. But now we have a better understanding as to why. And we can also talk a little bit about something I was wrong about. I mentioned in yesterday's episode, in the recap, and also in my, my first watch, that the uh, New Orleans Saints went zone heavy in the second half. And that was one of the reasons why Paulson Adebo gave up so many yards. And that is simply actually not true. Did the Saints run more zone than man? Yes, by about six to 10 snaps. Sometimes it's man on one side, zone on the other side is the kind of look that it ends up turning into. Or, or you know, so it's a little bit harder to, to figure out because they play a lot of those zone match schemes. But regardless, what you saw from Paulson Adebo uh, was evenly split in terms of him giving up yardage and giving up catches in man coverage, giving up yardage, giving up catches in zone coverage. And this has actually been a little bit, or this is actually now adding to a little bit of a concern around Paulson Adebo and whether or not the New Orleans Saints should switch to Bradley Roby. We'll talk about that here in just a little while. I'll tell you what I think, and I'll tell you why, of course. But I want to start off by taking a look at the numbers here when it comes to the Saints in man coverage versus the Saints in, in zone coverage, because we look at both Paulson Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore, because it gives some context here. Paulson Adebo, Marshawn Lattimore, both of them ran 18 man coverage snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. I counted around that same number myself in passing situations. Um, Paul Sidibo targeted five times, allowed four catches for 80 yards, 47 of those after the catch. No touchdowns, no pass breakups, no interceptions, and no forced incompletion. So basically, you just saw him give up a bunch of yards in man coverage, which of course is of value and, and, and does mean something. 
the big catch, the 52-yard touchdown to John Ross, was allowed in zone coverage by Paulson Adebo, who was targeted three times, excuse me, four times, allowed three catches for 88 yards in uh, zone coverage. So 168 total yards given up by Paulson Adebo in this game. The guy just feel, felt like in this game that no matter what he did, he was going to get picked on and he was going to get sort of targeted in certain opportunities. And unfortunately, it didn't go his way throughout. He did have one forcing completion in this game that was in zone coverage, but also gave up the touchdown there. It's because the touchdown is there. NFL pass ring of 156.3 in zone coverage allowed. Now, I mentioned we were going to talk about Marshawn Lattimore as well, because it does give some context. Marshawn Lattimore targeted three times in man coverage, allowed two catches for 67 yards and a pass ring of 149.3. So that is what you expect both of these cornerbacks to do at their absolute best. Both of them very good man coverage corners, but both of which have the scheme versatility to also play in zone. So Marshawn Lattimore only targeted once in 25 zone coverage snaps uh, that ended up going for 27 yards, unfortunately, with 10 of those after the catch and a 118.8 passer rating allowed. So you see this happen to Marshawn Lattimore in the same game that it happens to Paulson Adebo. So you could potentially look at this and say, hey, sometimes you just have bad games. And unfortunately, both of them had a bad game or a less than ideal game at the same time, giving up over 100 yards. Paulson Adebo giving up the touchdown there. Neither of them really, you know, breaking up any passes, forcing any incompletions or, or getting in, getting interceptions. The only interception we saw was from Marcus Williams on the Hail Mary at the end of the first half. So you could look at it that way. However, a big conversation that I'm seeing a lot of is, should the Saints start Bradley Roby next game as opposed to Paulson Adebo? And I think it depends on how much you value confidence and what you think shakes confidence more, right? Paulson Adebo goes out there, he has this bad game, 168 yards given up, a touchdown, all of that. And maybe also has beaten himself up a little bit, potentially, about the uh, not diving and, and, and pursuing the fumble, right? That's, that's a young player thing that you know the coaches might emphasize, for instance, that could potentially um, be of concern for him, right? Something else there. So does that knock his confidence enough that going up against the Washington football team and talented receiving core that they have over there, talented pass catchers that they've got, that you're concerned about him? Or are you concerned about the long-term confidence of then benching him for Bradley Roby. And I think a lot of people are making the argument, well, you spent the third round pick on Bradley Roby to bring him in, so you have to start him. Well, you spent the third round pick on Paulson Adebo too. I mean, you spent nearly the exact same thing when it comes to Paulson Adebo and Bradley Roby. So compensation, how much money you're paying him, how much you paid for the trade versus how much you paid for the draft selection, not really much of a difference there, right? They're basically on the exact same level. So it just depends. Do you go with the guy that you feel like can be your future at the cornerback spot opposite Marshawn Lattimore? Or do you go with the guy that was effectively brought in to be, I don't want to call him an insurance policy, but that was brought in to effectively be a one-year, potentially two-year guy, although he's going to cost you $10 million next season. So I don't think that Bradley Roby is probably on this roster next season, at least on his contract, a la Janoris Jenkins, who had to restructure his contract last year and then was cut this year. I don't see Bradley Roby being around for very long. So do you value Bradley Roby as somebody that you can bring in as a dime corner? And then utilize, which you still run quite a bit of. He still saw the field 20 snaps in this game, which is a third of the snaps that Paulson Adebo and, and Marshawn Lattimore, for instance, saw, which was around 63. And he was targeted once, allowed one catch for three yards. So not really much of a sample size off of Bradley Roby to say, yes, he is identifiably better than Paulson Adebo. You kind of have to go back to what you've seen from Bradley Roby over time. Do you prefer the, the, the proven veteran or do you prefer the high ceiling potential and a guy like Paulson Adebo. And was this performance against the Giants enough to change your mind? It's not enough to change my mind. If he struggles again against the Washington football team, which again, 
is very possible. It's an extremely talented wide receiver core. Not as good a quarterback. I mean, not that Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, but not the best quarterback that Paulson Debo has faced because he opened up his career against Aaron Rodgers. So let's not forget that. But if he struggles again in that game, then I think, yeah, then you have the bye week to install and and, and adjust and, and maybe handle that situation a little bit more um, without costing him his confidence for getting benched during his rookie season. You can kind of do that a little bit more lightly over the course of two weeks as opposed to having to do it and get out there and play a game and having to focus on the game that's around the corner. So I think for the Saints, going with Paulson and Debo next week makes sense. And if he struggles again, then going to Bradley Roby after the bye makes sense. As of right now, though, I don't try to pull that trigger immediately and try to get him out of the lineup and potentially harm his confidence in terms of his long-term development. And again, I'm looking further down the road. It makes perfect sense that people would look at no Ross right now is more important. And I completely get that. But I'm looking further down, down the road. And so for me, I think you keep Paulson Adebo and then you switch to Bradley Roby if he struggles again this week. But let me know what you think. You can let me know in the comments here if you're watching on YouTube or you can hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow's Film Watch Wednesday. Like I mentioned, we saw some of the film early. We got the film early this week, so I already kind of went over some film notes, but there's a lot more to go through. We're going to break down a specific play from Pete Werner that was absolutely impressive. We'll go a little bit deeper into uh, the deep shots and how they worked, why they worked, and why we should expect to see them again next week. And we'll take a look with our good friend, Brooke Kirchhofer, who's going to come through from WWL to help put a button on that loss against the Giants and help start to turn our focus to the Washington football team. So a lot coming up for you in tomorrow's episode, as well as Thursday and Friday, because we're here with you every single Monday through Friday. Uh, Thanks so much, as always, for making this your first listen of the day. Make sure now you go and check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast as your second listen of the day. All the NFL news that you need in less than 30 minutes with Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. For everything in between all of our episodes, make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.